Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. So, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to come right out and say it. This week is probably the start of a lot of really disturbing and troubling weeks that are going to happen coming forward. Um, we obviously can't avoid talk of what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, which to some extent feels a little odd when you're talking about Formula One, but given the ties that Formula One has to Russia, whether it's Russian sponsorship or the event that was supposed to be in Russia or everything else, it, it, it's hard to avoid it. But my hope is over the coming weeks, and I, and I don't say this to diminish anything that's going on because it is as equally disturbing as it is important, but my hope is that through our show at least, we can bring a little bit of escapism through ridiculousness and through sport. And if you know us, the thought of us bringing anybody escapism in sport is kind of ludicrous in its own right. Escapism, yes. In sport is where it's ridiculous. But this this is sport and we're leveraging sport to do it. So th- this is this that's the connection. You you realize that anybody that actually knows us is always stunned that we follow any sport whatsoever. See, that's that's my point. Um, but ridiculous, ridiculous, we own. Okay. Um, escapism, I can I can own that. I'm I'm good with that. Really, at this point, th- this is kind of what listening to shows like this is so, going to be for so some folks. Are you suggesting we are a unicorn chaser? Sure. I like that. I mean, I've always said I'm a unicorn, but, you know, I didn't know I was a unicorn chaser now. Okay, I, I could go with us being a unicorn chaser. Is our show art this week going to be a unicorn? It might need to be now. <laughs> you are welcome. Hadn't been the plan, but it, it might need to be now. Okay. So... Again, in, in light of everything that happened starting at about Wednesday, and, and, you know, this week is, it wasn't winter testing. No, it was a shakedown, which I did have to get, I actually laughed out loud when I read Autosport's line of, it was winter testing that was not winter testing. Yeah. Um, it was the shakedown event in Barcelona. So in, in light of everything that happened on Wednesday, one of the topics in the paddock on Thursday was driver and team opinions over what was going on. And one of the first drivers probably to get spoken to about this also was probably one of the most emphatic in his positions. And once again, I've got to say that my opinion of Sebastian Vettel continues to change for the better because he came right out. He didn't mince any words whatsoever and said that given what was going on, if the race was still held in Russia, he would not participate. And agreed, just like you. I'll be honest, ever since Vettel left Red Bull, he has slowly been changing my perception of who he is. And when he comes out that emphatically, there was no mincing words. There was no gray area. There was maybe we shouldn't. There was none of that. I will not be there. 
Like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then the next person that we got comments from, again, kind of shocking because for him to take a stand on something like this, we I haven't seen anything like it, but it was Max Verstappen, who his response was that he didn't understand how Formula One could hold a race in a country where there was a war going on. Okay. Which, again, says to me that he didn't think that this was appropriate. I think that's a little <coughs> grayer. I mean, I think that's a little grayer, but yes. he he, And I think he was also correct. Yeah. You know, active war zone, you probably shouldn't be there. Now... We heard similar comments on and off from some of the drivers throughout the rest of the day. Formula One held an emergency meeting with the team lead, the the team leadership for every one of the teams on Thursday evening and released a statement Friday afternoon Barcelona time. Okay. Said the FIA Formula One World Championship visits countries all over the world with a positive vision to unite people bringing nations together. We are watching the developments in Ukraine with sadness and shock and hope for a swift and peaceful resolution to the present situation. On Thursday evening, Formula One, the FIA and the teams discussed the position of our sport and the conclusion is, including the view of all relevant stakeholders, that it is impossible to hold the Russian Grand Prix in the current circumstances. I agree. <coughs> agree totally. Now, the response that everybody had, and I think the response that we all had when we read this was, so the race has been canceled. Mm-hmm. Well, the uh, promoter of the race, Raskanki, has read that statement and said, so they're saying that it's impossible to hold the Russian Grand Prix in the current circumstances. So it's possible if the circumstances so change. So you're saying there's a chance. There's a chance. So if you say <clears throat> the circumstances change, then maybe there'll be a race. And they actually have come out and said that um, the agreement between the official Russian Grand Prix promoter Rosganki and Formula One is suspended due to force majeure events. Not canceled, but suspended. Okay. According to Rosganki, the purchase tickets are not canceled and there is no need to get refunds for them now because it is still possible that the round will take place and will be held as previously scheduled. Rosganki continues its business as usual, providing services to the Sochi Autodrome guests as well as organizing and holding motorsport and other events of the federal, regional, and municipal level as part of the event calendar approved. Now, here's the problem. The big problem. Oh, I can't wait to hear what you think the problem is. So, besides everything else, just money and all that other stuff, the official name of this race is the VTB... Russian Grand Prix. VTB is one of the largest banks in Russia and has been, as a result of the actions on Wednesday, has been slapped with, they are named as a company that has been slapped with sanctions by 
the US, Europe, and a good portion of the world. So there's no money to hold the race because the title sponsor now can't pay any Western anybody. So I, I, I refolded my tinfoil hat. <clears throat> okay. Do you think that the promoter is saying, there's no need for you to get refunds on your tickets because he has no money to refund those tickets? That could be problem one. But what I think is actually going on is that they're reading so closely into that statement uh, and, and this thought of, well, the race is in September. So maybe if everything cools down over the summer that the sanctions could get lifted and they'd consider coming anyway. That's what he's hoping for. Okay, but here's the thing. You remember how we talked about driver comments? Mm -hmm. And I said there was a gray area in Max's? Mm -hmm. And there's gray area in the Formula One statement. Yeah. There was no gray area in Vettel's. Right. Vettel didn't say if the situation changed. He said, if this occurs, I won't be there. Mm -hmm. Hmm. That doesn't say, you know, it calms down over the summer. I think that step one is it's suspended. Step two is it's canceled. Yeah. And the reality is you're not going to get people from the West necessarily coming to the Russian Grand Prix, even if things do calm down. Because there's going to be a reaction of, well, we don't want to put money into the country because of what they did. We don't want to support that, or we don't think that it's going to be safe because it's still recent. This, this isn't happening. There's also questions of, well, what next for Formula One? Do they replace the race? Do they just leave it as a blank spot on the calendar? There's been some rumbling that maybe Turkey could get tapped again. I heard, I, um, I was looking at memes that had Turkey tapped on it so i think there's a lot of hope and thought that it would be turkey i think there's a bit of hope um i i, I there, there's questions but first off the the owners of the track in turkey have said that they have not been approached as of yet mm. um they they made it quite clear that while, while they they stand ready to and they'd love to have the opportunity the phone has not rung um i do got a kind of question as to whether or not formula one wants to get that close to the region well that's your other piece of it and the other thing is we don't know what's the next domino mm -hmm. you know that's the part that i think we have to be aware of is this may be one area but what's the spread because of all the various treaties namely nato um that come into play here and, and what happens when the retaliation begins? What happens when the pushback starts? Well, it's not just that, but think about where Turkey sits. Well, the, the, the proximity is... That, that's the gateway to this whole region from the sea. Yeah. So, and it's... Yeah. Miami's looking like a much better choice. Yeah. <laughs> and that... <coughs> Never was going to be something that got said in the book of the bird. Yeah. So Tuesday, actually it was Monday. I, 
when we saw Haas's car with the traditional EuroCali logos and branding and Nikita was on the track this week. Um, as a matter of fact, he was on the track on Thursday. However, on Wednesday, as this all started to break, the team canceled the media availability for uh, Gunther Steiner and for Nikita Mazepin. Both of them were scheduled. And then the team announced on Thursday that they were going to, the, the car was going to be run um, without the sponsorship. It was going to be just run white. By the end of the day Thursday, all of the EuroCali logos had been removed from the team's uh, trucks, from their uh, motorhome, from the car, from the website, everywhere. Eurocali has been wiped off their entire color palette. Okay. <clears throat> Under our, our role and our job as Unicorn Chaser, mm-hmm. you know, when you first told me that they ran a white car and took all the logos off, you know, you think about, okay, that's the car. That's pulling some decals. All I can think about is the poor marketing person that got handed a pile of the team gear and shirts and a seam ripper and said, pull all the Uracali uh, stuff off of that. Well, that's Or <coughs> use gaffer tape to well, cover that's, it. That's what they did. I mean, we, we've seen that with Ferrari is they just used white tape and covered everything up on the, the team wear. But they actually, there were pictures of the mechanics peeling the Eurocali logos off the truck on Thursday. <laughs> well, you know, the, the gear person's on the phone going, can I replace the gear without getting the cost cap? <laughs> well, there's that. At, at this point, we do not know what the true status of the Eurocali sponsorship is. So Gunther has, has he did respond to some interview requests he said the team is going to take a look at this over the next week to figure out what the state of this arrangement is i think gene at the very least gene has realized that as an american-based team and an american-based team with a sizable presence in north carolina Mm -hmm. with everything that's going on possibly embracing russia isn't a great idea yeah, and that's <clears throat> we knew when Gene got into bed with this guy that this was not going to go well. Well, I mean, no, we have said that since the beginning that for, this for is different, not good for different reasons. the 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 truth is, you know, as much as I think we all knew that there was a possibility of this kind of a thing happening, we all figured that the risk was extremely low. There were going to be other stuff that was going to happen over the fact that, you know, there's some questionable business dealings around Uricali and their ethics and the way they treat people and and that kind of stuff. And the fact that Nikita's questionable in his own right. But in terms of whether or not Haas was going to get backed into a corner because Russia started a war... That I don't think we really thought was going to happen. I wasn't saying we had that kind of a crystal ball. I mean, our crystal ball is not that good. But what we kept saying was getting into a deal with this guy 
has so many pitfalls and so many problems. There were going to be PR problems. You were you were going to have a PR problem. Mm-hmm. Now, was it a direct result of a Mazepan that caused your PR problem? No, but you could have saved yourself a lot of trouble by not getting into this in the beginning. Yeah. So there, Haas is looking at not just the state of the sponsorship, but also whether or not Nikita is going to keep the seat because, you know, the sponsorship is what put him in the seat in the first place. So if Haas has to turn down that money, it kind of seems likely that Nikita is not driving for the rest of the year. Well, that won't be a big loss for Formula One. It won't. Um, at this point, what gun and he has confirmed that if they need to cut Nikita loose, first call is going to be to P- back to Pietro Fittipaldi. Okay. Um, now, Pietro, he, he started for the team twice after Roman Grosjean had his accident. He wasn't particularly impressive. I mean, really, all he did was provide a warm body to move the car. Well, yeah. So... Okay, but in his defense, Haas didn't exactly provide him a great car. They provided him with a better car two years ago than he would have gotten if he drove last year. Well, true. Um, the, the the thing... I mean, everybody who who's commentated on and, and watched Pietro, they don't think he's a particularly great driver. They don't think he's really worthy of, an, of being an F1 but he is their reserve driver. Right. Where this could get really interesting is, and, and what what Gunther has said, is, is that he said that that's their first call and that they would be most likely to put Pietro in at least as an initial solution. Then they would see what they were going to do after that. Hmm. Yeah. So I wonder who could come back. Well, it's a question of who could come back, but then there's also the news that we brought we we mentioned last week that we're getting more information about. So there's the Andretti start. Right. Interesting thought. <clears throat> so here's here here's the the rumors and the other information that has come out over the last week. So one, Michael made it clear, one of the things that Michael said was that apparently the attempt to buy Alfa Romeo was ongoing for about two years before it all fell apart. Mm. That's number one. Number two, Michael also, in response to something, put out a comment that said, you know, if Gene wanted to sell the team, it would make our entry a whole lot easier. Yeah, it would. So that's been fueling some speculation because everybody knows that Gene's been relying a lot on that Eurocali money that just got turned off. Right. And, you know, I should also mention, so I did some research to figure out who was being sanctioned and whether or not, because there were some questions as to whether or not the Mazepins, knowing that they are Russian oligarchs and have a relationship with, with Putin, there was some question about that. As of right now, neither Eurocali or the Mazepins have been named in any sanctions. 
and Ross because it was also a rumor that Ross had been uh, named in sanctions. They do not appear to have been either as of yet. Hmm. Gazprom, which is Eurocali's big Russian competitor, has been named in, in sanctions. Very interesting. And I think it's just a matter of how the deals work for moving fuel. Mm. It doesn't mean that Eurocali isn't going to get hit in the next week. And the other thing is, since banks are hit, moving money, mm-hmm. it, I mean, that that's the goal of hitting the banks with the sanctions is that money can't move in or out. Right. Um, which could definitely hurt Gene's ability. If Gene is relying on that money, um, that could certainly hurt that. And my understanding from an article that I read is that the money that's held in Swiss accounts, Switzerland is stepping up and changing a position of neutrality to put into place some things that happen in their accounts too. Well, there's there's one other thing to keep in mind, and and we don't know the full details of this Eurocali deal, Mm -hmm. but if there is a stake in ownership, if there's anything that could be considered that either Mazepin assets or Eurocali assets are sitting with Haas and they get hit with sanctions, part of what happens is any assets that they have in the countries that have sanctioned them get frozen right which means if any of that stuff is sitting in Haas Haas could see some of their assets frozen so it would be in Gene's best interest if you know to distance himself to to make a giant Mm -hmm. exit move so the Andretti situation there's a lot of talk about you know after Michael made that comment of, well, you know, if Gene wanted to sell, this would streamline the whole process. There's been a lot of talk about, well, maybe Gene and Michael could end up in a partnership here to replace Uricali for the time being. And what kind of impact could that have on everything? So what, what Michael or yeah, what Michael has said so far about this? is that he is hoping to get a decision from F1 in the next 30 days. Oh, wow. He wants it in the next 30 days so that they can start working on the timelines to have an entry ready for 2024. Okay. Um, His expectation is that at least the first car would be sourced similar to what Gene did with Haas, with... Delara or some other chassis builder, and he's got a relationship with Delara thanks to IndyCar. Um, but Delara or some other chassis builder would build them the initial chassis for the car, and Andretti would do some degree of development to make it theirs. Okay. With the idea being that that, unlike what Gene has done, that wouldn't be their strategy going forward they would wean off the chassis builder because they want to build their own car. More than that, what Michael really wants is he wants it to be a true American car. He acknowledges that at some point he may have to go and set some kind of a base up in Europe because that's where Formula One is, but he truly wants this car to be designed and built in the U.S. I told you he was going to leverage the Indianapolis um well, community over 
Motorsport well, Valley. He, he he may need to at first, but that's that's not what he wants for an end goal. Um, Mario has has said very strongly that an agreement is in place with Renault for engine supply. Okay. Michael has said that, that that's not quite as firm, and that there is another player. Ford. Well, that's kind of what <laughs> makes me wonder if he's pushing that hard to get into the. To, to do this in the U.S., could he be leaning on Ford? Could we see a return? Could we I mean, see Ford in, in motorsport? That I mean, that that's the question of, is he leaning on Ford or possibly could he be leaning on Chevy? Since Chevy has the experience in open wheel. Mm-hmm. Granted, it's a different engine. And I don't know if, I don't know what Andretti runs off the top of my head. I know. I think they may be a Chevy. I think they team. are now. I think they were Honda. They were Honda, and then they shifted to Chevy. I don't remember, but I think they're Chevy now. But that could be interesting too. I mean, especially if we saw a return to F one from Ford. I know. Oh, now, yeah. now, now we're getting cool. Now it gets really interesting. The other thing that that. Um, Michael has his he's confirmed that it is their intention that Colton Herta will be one of their drivers. I think that's awesome. Yeah. I think that's absolutely awesome. But that also becomes the question now. Okay. So if Michael figures out a way short term to build some kind of a partnership with, with Gene to offset the loss of your Cali, could he Put Colton in the car over right. probably because that would possibly be the second phone call. And give give Colton some experience before the team stands up. Or potentially have an exit plan with Gene and now have to stand up a 11th team. That too. Possibilities are endless. The other thing that's very interesting about what's happening with Andretti here and and should if it's actually true should cause the FIA and, and F1 to take notice the the folks who are in the know the the, the sources who are, are investigating this and of course very few of them are willing to go on record right now but they're saying the financial backing for Andretti's effort is extremely strong mm-hmm. um, we've already heard that Andretti can handle if F1 tells them that they've got to pay the $200 million entry fee that Andretti can handle it. Um, It's actually been stated at this point that that $200 million, if they have to do it, is pocket change for this group. And if it wasn't, if the cost cap wasn't in place, the spend, the, the budget that would be available to them would rival the top three. Wow. Which, if that's true, this is a, a very serious play. Well, I don't get the impression, and this is just my impression of the Andretti organization from the cheap seats, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they go into things by halves. You know, we've watched what they do. <coughs> they're not going to go into something unless they're going in all in. Um, 
you know, they're they're not the scrappy Williams version of the yeah. family team. They're going all in. I mean, again, I say, you know, since we had lunch with Mario, but he he did not reveal a nearly enough conversation points that we should have had. We had to spend way too much time talking about the weather. <laughs> well, it was because after we asked him two questions, he looked around and said, am I done now? Can I go? And it was something like that. Uh, he also told me I had to stop stalking Roman Grosjean. Well, Roman wasn't driving for him then, so. I know, but he said I was embarrassing. Mm. Which is not unusual. Okay. I mean, I, I get that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, as part of, even though the, the, you know, the test that wasn't a test, there was media availability and uh, press conferences, and Total Wolf and Christian Horner were in the same press conference together. Oh, were they? And of course, we're asked where things go from here after the season last year. Mm. Um, both of them have said that uh, they are burying the hatchet. In each other's backs. No, they didn't say that. Oh. Um, but that, you know, last year was last year. Mm-hmm. And the points are all at zero. And the competition starts over. And they're not carrying over the animosity from last year. Both of them have said this. Christian went so far as to say, you know, there's no doubt in his mind that they have very differing opinions on what happened in Abu Dhabi. But at the end of the day, they're team bosses and they're professional rivals and they're peers. And there is a level of mutual respect and they can and will move on together and reestablish the professional respect that they have had in the past. Well, they've never been besties. They've never been besties, but I think there's always been some level of respect. Now, Christian was a bit different because up until last year, Christian was really nipping at the heels and he was the one who'd really been around as a boss a whole lot longer than Toto. Mm-hmm. And Toto was the one who unseated him. Right. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. I think it's a great soundbite. I think it's a, a nice... I think it's a unicorn chaser in its own right. Um, but the truth is, I don't think the two of them like each other very much. I don't... I think they, they may respect each other's positions. Eh, yeah. Frenemies. Yeah. They might respect each other's positions in the rival organization, but I got the I have gotten the impression over the years that Toto thinks Christian's a little bit of a hothead and, you know, uncontrollable. And Toto's a he's a methodical thinker. The He's very German, even though he's Austrian. He's very German, <laughs> Austrian. But he's also meditative and mm-hmm. you know, he's a he's a different sort of leader. And the two of them lead very differently. And so I I kind of think that there's there's a piece of that that they're looking at each other going, I don't want to be anything like you. And so yeah. I, I think that's part of it. They they may have, well, you're a team boss and I'm a team boss, but I don't like your style and you don't like my style and we're okay with that. So, like we mentioned, this was our first week of cars on the track. Testing, not testing. 
Um, there's some good news. There's actually, I think, some really good news. The drivers are reporting, for the most part, that it is possible to follow closely now. Oh, that'll be fine. Much closely. So, try, and, now, like I said, for the most part, because we've heard from Charles Leclerc that there may be a blip in this, and it's weird. So what Charles said, he says, from three seconds to one second behind the car in front, you actually can follow closer. He says, then from one second to five cents, it's similar five to what... Cents? Or, or, or five cents? Five tenths. <laughs> from one second to five tenths, he says it's similar to what they felt last year, that you get that washout mm. when you're close behind them. But this is the thing. He says from five tenths to extremely close, it is much better than last year. So it looks like once you get through that little window there and get closer again, you can follow. Hmm. Well, the key is going to be how do you get through that window, though? Yeah. Because from five-tenths to a second is a... I mean, that's a lifetime in Formula One. It can be. It, it, it's how quick... Yeah, it, it is. It, it's whether or not it's possible to, to plow through that small window mm-hmm. and how quickly you can... And I, I suspect it's going to be some tracks are going to be better than others for this. Right. Um, there is some question as to, you know... With the changes in the braking and, and what the braking zones are going to look like, because we've always been used to folks who can brake late doing that dive, with the ability to follow closer, what that's truly going to mean. Right. We don't know yet. The downside is, and this has been the big story, it's the word of the week. Wow. Wow. Word of the week. The word of the week this week has been porpoising. Flipper? Um, probably a little worse than that. <laughs> so what has been noted with just about every team, and to some there, there, it's caused some damage, is this effect that is known for when you have ground effect cars like this, called porpoising it causes the back end of the car to bounce up and down now it's not a a really fast bounce but it's a noticeable bounce Hmm. and like i said it's damaging the cars and it is strictly coming from the the use now of these venturi tunnels and ground effects for aerodynamics when you get up to a certain speed, these ground effects, what they're doing what they're supposed to, they suck the car down to the track. They pull the car down. Mm-hmm. But at some point, it gets pulled down, and then that ground effect starts to loosen, and the back end pops back up. Oh. And then the cycle starts all over again. Mm-hmm. Hence the porpoising. Mm. The effect has been so bad that Mercedes has had to replace a floor. And I think Ferrari's had to deal with it, too. Um, there's been concerns about some general safety issues, um, but it, it's been an issue, except over at McLaren. Right. McLaren's not exactly sure why they don't have the issue where everybody else is at. Where they said they have noticed it is they put some new aerodynamic bits on the car to test them, and the effect started to pick up. And they're not sure, and they took them off, and it went away. 
So they're not sure what was the issue of why their car isn't as bad. Now, it seems that the easy solution to avoid porpoising is to raise the ride height of the car. But teams don't want to do that because if you raise the ride height of the car, you impact, you diminish the impact that all the ground effects have to give you the added downforce you're looking for. Yeah, that's a, that's a conundrum. Yeah. So over the course of the next week, that's what everyone's going to be figuring out is how do we go and sort this out? Mercedes initial solution that they put out on Friday on yeah it was Friday when they actually set fastest times and and had a one two was to stiffen the suspension but I guess it's believed that that's probably not a great idea it's probably not a long-term solution as that could do greater damage to the car Um, however um, when I was reading some of the shakedown not Mm -hmm. testing results they did say it is very much not unusual for mercedes to show up with a completely different car at the next yeah uh, testing that's the big expectation going here is that we're going to see some kind of a repeat to what mercedes did in 2019 so in 2019 we talked about coming out of that first test that the mercedes in particular didn't look great and that was the year that Ferrari was running their cheater engine. Mm-hmm. But we came out of that saying that, that Mercedes looked like they were on the back foot and they were struggling to come to grips with this car and it wasn't performing really well. And then they came to test number two and it was a completely different car. Right. And by the time they got to Melbourne and put the last bits on it, they were ready to start running away with it again. There is some expectation that that's what we're about to see from Mercedes again. Um, word is already that there is a significantly different side pod design planned for Bahrain for that test for Mercedes. Um, and there's some thoughts that that's going to have a significant impact on top of whatever else they're planning. That's, I mean, the reality <laughs> is testing is just that it's testing. And remember it is not a requirement that they only test race legal cars. Yep. They can test parts that are not race legal to see what the impacts of those parts are going to be because then you can back down. You know, sometimes it's a, a matter of figuring out what it could be and mm-hmm. then you start backing it down to make it like, how do I get this effect within legal terms? Um, and, you know, as long as nobody writes a letter, it's fine. Well, you know, those, those <laughs> letters, they're Italian just, letters, too. just want to clarify, can we do this kind of thing? We're thinking about putting it on the car, even though somebody's doing it already. And <laughs> We considered it, but then we saw it at the track, and we wanted to confirm its legality. Yeah. So many letters. So many letters. So... Where do things stand coming out of our first week of testing? A hashtag shakedown. Sorry, not real testing. <laughs> um, you know, as always, especially in that first test week, things are a little muddy. You know, we, we don't know what everybody's test plans were, what fuel levels they were running at. Some teams are running harder tires while others are running softer tires. Mercedes might show up with less of the planned bits on the car than the others because they're sandbagging. 
all kinds of stuff is going on. What we're fairly confident in saying from what we have seen. Every team has a car. Well, yeah. Every team's dealing with porpoising. Yeah, we get that too. Everybody seems to think that Alfa Romeo's in a lot of trouble. I read that. Um, They didn't get a whole lot of running time. um, And on top of that, the car overall does not appear to be performing well. Um, Their times were the worst pretty much universally all week. Again, can't bank a whole lot on that. But since we weren't expecting Alfa Romeo to be at the top of the timesheets to begin with, for them to be all the way at the back... That's got to be setting some alarm bells. Mm-hmm. Um, Valtteri came out and said that they have a lot of work to do, but he thought that they could solve what they were seeing. Well, of course he did. He also turned around and said he's hoping for podiums this year. So, you know, there's reality and there's fantasy world, and Valtteri seems to be somewhere pretty close to the fantasy side. Um, well, he is from <laughs> Finland. Yeah. Yeah, right. I... I I get it. You know, at the start of the baseball season, every team is tied for first place. And, you know, at the start of the first lap, every team is tied for the championship. I get it, but that doesn't mean you're going to win it. Hey, I'm, I'm just saying that right now I have the same number of points for the 22 season as every Formula One driver. Yeah. And I don't even have a super license. Yeah. So... Alpha seems to be in a significant amount of trouble. Um, I Probably not surprisingly, right now so far it seems that Haas is not doing great either. Although the design of the car, there's something about it that everyone's intrigued by. Yeah, and I didn't get any details about the intriguing design, but something that's very interesting to them, beyond the fact they had to remove all the logos. Well, yeah. Um, it wasn't just because it's a giant white car. Um, but something's interesting. They think they may have something, but... They can't get consistent running. Right. They're having a reliability issue. Um, and so getting runtime, and they had some sort of uh, oil leak that caused fuel line damage. Yeah, they, they had a, an oil problem. The thing with the Haas, so, and, and I don't know how it compares to what was actually on the track, but the images that were released for when the logo when the the livery was released a couple of weeks ago and Haas has acknowledged that that car was not a final design they said it was a 2022 design but it wasn't a final design it was an early prototype the thing that everybody noticed when they compared that car to the other ones that were released is that um, the back of the coke bottle back of the area behind the driver where the engine was on the Haas was extremely skinny. It tapered in very tight, very quick. Mm. We didn't see that on any of the other cars. Interesting. And a lot of folks were going, were wondering what was going on there and, and how they were packaging the rear of that car to be able to do that. I don't know if that's kind of what they've delivered on track or if there's something else going on there. Hmm. Well, I'll be anxious to see it come the Bahrain test, which is a mm-hmm. test. Um, because again, I don't think 
Mercedes is the only team that's testing bits during shakedown yeah. that aren't going to ever see the light of day again. And so we may see a different Haas. I mean, who knows? Andretti might be coming in between now and then. I mean, the Haas has got way too many things that are going on in their world right now. Yeah. So. So over in the mid-pack, general consensus right now is that Williams is sitting in the mid-pack. Which I think is outstanding. It is. Now, we don't know where in the mid-pack, mm-hmm. but they're sitting in the mid-pack. Um, there's some questions as to whether or not the Aston Martin is as strong as it should be. It seems to be struggling to be in that mid-pack, um, or at least at the back of the mid-pack. But everybody says that from, from what we've seen, nobody's really too far off the pace in the mid-pack. They, I had read that they were all tightly clumped. And Sebastian Vettel had said about the Aston that he was pretty sure that he was looking forward to going back to the factory to solve what he was seeing. Mm. So, and Sebastian's very close to the designs of these cars and gets Mm -hmm. down into the weeds as only a German can. Um, And so I have a sneaking feeling that like that's going to come, that will evolve quickly. But I was reading Alpine was actually doing pretty well too. Kind of. Um, it they seem to be doing well. Again, they had a pretty catastrophic engine issue on mm-hmm. on Friday, um, but also was reading that in terms of available spares for the car, they were really liked, Ooh. and that was an issue. Um, it sounds like Alpha Tori might have a strong car if they can control it. <laughs> there was something about turn ten that there was a couple of back ends that stepped out on more than one mm-hmm. car and remember turn 10 is that revised turn at barcelona that they reprofile i think they reprofiled it for this year not for last year that they moved it. that's the one that has the the red circuit to barcelona mm-hmm. painted on inside the, the turn right um, but more than one <clears throat> team their back struggled end step, with it stepped out on them yep on that turn um mclaren seems to be have a challenger this year Mm -hmm. um at least towards the front of the mid pack if not nipping at the top three for most of the week i was hearing really positive comments about the mclaren and, and not just the fact that they weren't really porpoising um but in terms of how the mclaren looked on track how in control it looked on track and earlier in the week they were they were leading the timesheets right so the McLaren might have a pretty strong car this year. That would also be awesome. I think that would be a really good thing for them. They need a good year. I got to say, I really thought the car looked good. It does. It, it, it's, a, it's a pretty car this year. It does. It looks really good. And then up at the front, you know, no surprise right now, it looks like it's Ferrari, Red Bull, and Mercedes. Everybody is saying right now, that it's hard to tell who's actually in the lead of that bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, they all look to be fairly strong. They all look to be doing pretty well. And initially, I heard at the beginning of the week that Mercedes was really struggling. And then all of a sudden, the tone changed from everybody. They're like, well, wait a minute. Actually, no. And I think that some of that was as folks were understanding what Mercedes' test program was, 
they started to understand why Mercedes was performing the way it was performing. Mm. Um, but it sounds like between the three of them, nobody really knows who's in the lead. Although Mattia Bonotto was asked uh, by one one of the uh, the press that was there, you know, whether or not he thought Mercedes was ahead, and his response was that. You know, by the time they get past Bahrain, he's expecting Mercedes to be about a month ahead of everybody else. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, at least he's honest. Yeah. So, you know, we always say this every time testing comes along. You don't know what they're testing. You don't know their fuel loads. You don't know what their plan is. You can't read much into what we see in testing. Um, but it's awfully exciting to see cars on the track again. Well, I think you can read some. Just don't go and bet the season on testing. Well, I know. I never do. But then again, I won Fantasy F1 last year. You did not. I thought Phil did. No. Okay. No. He had to concede his win to me. Oh yes, that that's that's right. We 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 had to get the ruling from from race control and Michael Massey, and then it went all the way up to the court of arbitration for sport. And yeah, I remember that now. Okay, I still won. Now I did not win the predictions. That's what I was thinking of. You blew yeah. the predictions. Ah. I can at least stand on I win the predictions. I anyway. still beat the boy. Okay. Um, yeah, we're gonna have to work on that and probably get the fantasy league set up pretty soon too yes uh setting up your actual team doesn't start until after uh testing okay um but the leagues and such can get started but you can't pick your team until after testing because they have to rank everybody Hmm. and i don't believe that they consider shakedown to be testing well no it was a test that wasn't a test remember hashtag shakedown yeah and on that note we'll call it a show We are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. (laughs) Okay. Are they all gone? Uh, Is is everybody gone? (laughs) Huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. A little break? Okay.